You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey there, Jess O'Reilly here, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. This is the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, and today we will be talking about vaginismus. But first, a big thank you to Desire Resorts and Cruises for their ongoing support. They have clothing optional, couples-only paradises on the Mayan Riviera, as well as Temptations Resorts, which is open to people of all relationship arrangements, so singles, couples, threesomes, and more. Check out at Desire Experience. Vaginismus involves the sudden and painful contraction of the muscles in the vaginal area upon penetration. And this pain and contraction can be so severe that you cannot handle any degree of penetration. It's just too much. Some people describe a burning sensation that can develop as soon as you touch. And for other people, it develops as penetration is prolonged or deepened and vaginismus can be linked with with inflammation with injury with past trauma with hypersensitive nerve endings near the vaginal opening and of course with stress and psychological factors and if you're new to sex so if you're trying to engage in penetration for the very first time You can often be nervous, and because of those nerves, your pelvic floor muscles can tense up so severely that it feels as though you're hitting a brick wall. So it feels like there's something blocking the entrance to the vagina. Now, this doesn't mean that something is actually blocking you from entering, but it feels like it. And when this happens in the beginning... So in your early attempts at having some sort of penetrative sexual experience, it can be so distressful that the next time you try, the same thing happens because you tense up again or you tense up even more. And what happens is you experience more of the same and it becomes a cycle. And the distress itself and the fact that this is heightened by, you know, dealing with shame and secrecy around our bodies and sex, this can be enough to make sex or any sort of penetration feel impossible time and time again and the more you experience this distress the more the muscles respond by contracting so it becomes this negative feedback loop and of course there are many types of sex you can have without penetration but many people do desire vaginal penetration and It's not only folks who are new to penetration who experience vaginismus. I've had clients who experience secondary onset, meaning they've had sex in the past, they've enjoyed penetration without issue, but secondary onset might occur after trauma, after surgery, with bowel and bladder issues, and and even and often with distress in their lives and distress in their relationships. And it's it's fairly common, this experience, and it's, it's certainly treatable. Treatment options are quite varied. And if you have access to a pelvic floor physiotherapist, this is where you'll want to begin. A pelvic floor physiotherapist can help you to learn more 
about your pelvic floor muscles and they will teach you to both contract and more importantly in most cases release. They will work with you in a hands-on manner to make sure that these muscles are healthy and responsive and you'll have homework. They'll use biofeedback to help you to learn to relax these muscles and they will also look at your muscles in your back, in your hips, and in your abdomen to identify tight or painful spots that can actually refer pain to the pelvic floor. So this isn't just about doing Kegels. It's a more comprehensive examination and treatment program. And in fact, in many cases, Kegels will be contraindicated. They will make it worse. So if you can afford to see a pelvic floor therapist, regardless of whether or not you're experiencing vaginismus, please do. And if you can't, consider following on Twitter the hashtag Pelvic Mafia. Pelvic Mafia. And they offer resources, research, and, and some online programs as well. You'll also consider, if you're, if you're dealing with vaginismus or any anxiety around sex, cognitive, behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy can help. I think it's easy to say, hey, just relax, because ultimately that's what you need to do. But if you're going to change the way you feel, you're going to also have to change the way you think and behave. And cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy can help with this. Because oftentimes, sexual symptoms, like vaginismus, are symptoms of general issues. And if you're anxious about sex, you may also be experiencing distressful levels of anxiety in other arenas of your life and so when you treat one you'll often look at addressing the others as well. I know some people with vaginismus some of my clients have used my mindful sex course this is an online course you can check out at happiercouples.com and the interactive and more holistic activities in this mindful sex program can help to ease anxiety. I I really think a program like Mindful Sex is good for everyone, even if you aren't experiencing sexually specific anxiety, because it's designed to help you to relax your body, to clear your mind, to be more present, to get in touch with sensations, to understand what it means to be emotionally present. And it's really about more than sex. It's framed to help you have better sex because it really will help you to relax more and be more present. And so continuing with treatment options, in addition to getting to know your pelvic floor muscles, learning to relax them, doing physical exercises, addressing anxiety, treatment for vaginismus might eventually lead to gradual insertions, starting with smaller objects, usually what we call dilators. So they come in different sizes and they look like small dildos. Some people will begin with an even smaller object, like a Q-tip, depending on how severe the pain is. And you will work your way up to increase the size along with the exercises you'll be doing. And dilators or the insertion of objects are not about stretching your vagina. It's really about learning to relax and to breathe and to release the muscles. And... You might also see that treatment, depending on who you see, it could include a look at your diet to make adjustments to improve your gut health, your digestion, and your bowel health, because if you're straining when you go to the bathroom, this can tax the pelvic floor muscles, 
And of course, you're going to want to consider lifestyle adjustments. So these could relate to mindfulness, to pleasure, to masturbation, to anything you enjoy like dancing, exercise, practicing gratitude, the way you socialize, talk therapy, of course, and sleep adjustments because usually sexual symptoms are symptoms related to your overall lifestyle. It's not usually something that can be just addressed with something physical to do with the pelvic region. And I think it's important to note that vaginismus isn't about a lack of lubrication, although lube is necessary. And it's not necessarily about a lack of arousal. The folks that I work with will tell you that they want to have sex and they're in the mood to have sex and they like what they're doing, but they're still hitting this brick wall. And it's not about knowing, not knowing how to do it. It's not about your partner being too big for penetration or the object of your choice being too big. It's not about being too tight. It's not about being too small. It's not about being a so-called virgin. It's a physiological and often psychogenic response that results in the muscles contracting so intensely that penetration becomes painful or impossible. My friend Meredith dealt with vaginismus when she was a teenager, which wasn't too long ago. No, not too long ago at all. And she's here to share her story. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's really funny because I can see my room from the window. So I made it out like I have a friend, but I really just have a neighbor. Yeah, I don't like you at all. <laughs> so Meredith is, I think it's fair to say, in your early 20s. I sure am. Very early. Yeah. And her mother is, I think we can say she's in her 50s. She is. So I'm, and I hang with both of you. Yeah. And you described it perfectly. Yeah. Well, you're like our middle, what did I say? You're like our middle ground. So you're like the age of like an older sister for me, but a younger sister for my mom. Yes. Yeah. And I probably like to argue I'm closer to your age, but I'm probably closer to her age. No, you're closer to my age. Well, we shared clothes. She and I don't share clothes. Exactly. Well, we used to share clothes. Uh, the two of us? Yes. Yeah. More when you were sometimes. a teenager. Yeah. So when you were a teenager, you were dating mm -hmm. a boy. A boy is the perfect description. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you ran into this trouble. Can you tell us a little how, how you figured it out, how it started? Yeah. So I actually... When I really trace it back, like I can trace it back to before I was dating anyone because um, when I got my period, I wanted to use tampons like anyone else and I could not for the life of me figure out why it wouldn't go in basically. Um, and I like, I remember I was at this like summer resort with my mom and we arrived that day and I got my period that day and like all you want to do is swim in the lake and in the pool and stuff and I was like oh my god and I was terrified because I knew I couldn't use tampons and my mom and I spent like two hours in the bathroom like trying to figure out why it wouldn't work and we we had no idea so then I just put in I was like that's fine I'll just wear pads and I'll just get through it and it's fine um, and then I didn't really have to worry about it again until I started dating um, when I was in high school. Basically, you're always told like, oh, the first time you have sex, it kind of hurts. Um, but that's just the first time then you get through it. Um, but when it came to like the day that I like decided to lose my virginity, I like we got to that point 
And I went, this hurts more than like it just a little bit. Well, that's part of the issue too, is that we erroneously deliver this message that sex is supposed to hurt the first time when in fact it often hurts because we're tensing up. Mm -hmm. It often hurts because we're nervous, because we have anxiety, because we're not familiar with our pelvic floor muscles. And so they contract, which, which makes sense. The body contracts many of our muscles in response to nerves, anxiety, novelty in a negative way. Yeah. And so I think people probably don't even realize the first time that they might be dealing with something different because you've been told that, oh, if it's your first time putting something in your vagina, it will be painful. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it was shocking to me when I found out, um, when I when I kind of figured out that I did have vaginismus, that um, no one really knows what it is. Like it's, it's super, it's a super elusive um, condition. I guess because I, it has to do with the vagina. Because yeah, no one wants to talk about that. Um, but uh, I was always that girl, like in middle school, where I'd be like on my period, and I'd just like say it to people. I'd be like, "I'm on my period." <laughs> well, <laughs> you then, know, in other places, it's celebrated. Yeah, right. Menarche, the start of your menstruation, is celebrated as something exciting. Whereas for us, it's a little bit shameful. Yeah, totally. In North America, in the West, and although there are some movements of people trying to make you know, talking about your period normal because it's something that half of the world's population goes through almost 25% of the time. Mm -hmm. And we make it out like it's something gross. You know, there are many jokes about it. I remember when I was young, a guy saying, I'd never trust anything that bleeds for a week and doesn't die. I'm like, dude, if you bled, bled for a week, you'd be dead. You're, you're, you're weak. <laughs> <laughs> so you figured it out. Did you figure it out when your partner was trying to like use their fingers or a toy or a penis or what, what was it? Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, I've tried to do a lot of research on it um, and everything kind of comes up differently. And I think there's definitely a spectrum of people dealing with it differently because... Um, I think like when we were, when we were working with fingers somehow, it it happened. It was never enjoyable for me. So when you say it happened, you were able to put the fingers inside. Yeah. But it didn't feel good for you. No, I didn't like it, but I thought I was supposed to. So I just thought, well, if we do it enough, eventually like it'll change. Like eating olives. You don't like them the first time, but 10 years later, you're like, all right, fine. I'll eat an olive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then on the 11th year, you love the olives. I still hate the olives. Oh, do you? I hate olives. Oh, okay. It took on me a many years. Separate note. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was with Haley. Was it with you last year when we were out and like you made me eat an olive and I hated it? It was on her birthday. So yeah. Meredith's friend Haley is here offering moral support. <laughs> she is. And Haley's having a bit of a rough day. She's broken a bone in her foot. And mm-hmm. she's dealing with tonsillitis. And it, maybe if she didn't have tonsillitis, she could uh, join us here. So Haley tried to teach you about olives. Let's go back to the vaginismus. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the fingers went in. No problem. You yeah. just didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, we were kind of, I mean, it's such a touchy subject even in a relationship and it causes a lot of tension because you start to think, am I doing something wrong? Are they doing something wrong? Um, is there something wrong in our relationship? Like what's going on? And so we even found it hard to talk about it um, for a while and then uh, we actually came to you 
Um, <laughs> Actually, what they did is they bribed me with craft dinner. We did. Because I do, do love craft dinner, the macaroni yeah. and cheese. And I went over and we had a little chat. And I felt like I'm very lucky to have you so, like, the closest you could possibly be. <laughs> Our houses <laughs> face one another. Yeah. I can look into her bedroom from here. Yeah. Uh, and we had a big chat about it and that I think was the night that you told me that there uh is treatment available and that you can go to physiotherapy and you know it's not something you just have to live with for the rest of your life which again I think a lot of people who do have vaginismus could never find out about because they're embarrassed because the information's not readily available um which is why I'm so happy to talk about it on a podcast because I want people to know what it is. Because I've been in other situations where I've like, you know, been with a person just for one night and it didn't, it wasn't happening for me that night. And I'll, I'll talk a bit more about it, uh, the treatment later. But um, I said like, oh, well, I have this thing called vaginismus. And they looked at me and they said, oh, that doesn't sound real. And I was like, I know, it sounds like a made-up word. I think if Brandon were here, he'd say, is it contagious? Yeah, it sounds like a disease. It's like Brandon's the only one who could catch a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? It's my my new vagina. Yeah. (laughs) I think it'd be better if you were really high. Yeah. And saw the vagina on his thigh. So so you did go for treatment. I did, after you um, recommended... uh, a clinic for me to go to um and that was also you know it's all very nerve-wracking it's scary because it's like the most vulnerable part of you and like bringing it to a stranger to like <laughs> fix it what do you have for me today I have I brought my vagina oh I have my vagina for you um so but I went to the clinic and there it was should I mention what like the name of the clinic? You can say whatever you want. Yes, it's called Life Mark. It's uh downtown Toronto. They're awesome. Um <laughs> and And it's a long way for a lot of people who are listening. However, there yeah. are pelvic floor physiotherapists across North America and we can we can put some links for you on the website as well. Yeah. Um and I went there and they were also lovely and um they had like, you know, those those uh dioramas you have like from school with the like skeleton and everything but it was the vagina and they like told me about your pelvic walls and like took it apart for me to see like exactly what was going on and like told me where I had tightness and stuff um and then basically for four months I said I said this um yesterday to Haley um for four months I was clinically fingered basically, (laughs) which it's sounds funny, which you also had to pay for. (laughs) I sure did. Yeah, like in a sense. (laughs) So they do a physical exam, which involves looking in your vagina, touching in your vagina, Mm -hmm. touching various areas of your vagina. And they basically ask, like, how does it feel here? Is there pain here? Yeah, they ask you like on a scale of one to 10, what is the pain? Um, Is it like shooting? Is it tightness? What is it? And did you have homework in between your clinical fingering sessions? Yes. So um, they actually, uh, they sold me this, I like to call it like a Russian stacking doll dildo. Oh, right. (laughs) So it was a dilator set. A dilator set. (laughs) Different size insertion objects. And what do you call those Russian dolls where one comes in out of the other? A stacking doll, I think. There's a word for it, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it that's basically what it was. So it was like there was a smaller one and then you could click in like um larger 
pieces. Um, and basically, uh, she told me, yeah, I had to go home and as often as possible, um, just like work with it and do, um, the exercises that we were doing, um, in my appointments, uh, which had a lot to do with like, I'd learned how to reverse Kegel, like, yeah, that's a big misconception. A lot of people have for many years believed that Kegels are the answer to all of our problems when in fact many of us should not be doing Kegels. Kegels mm-hmm. are contraindicated, for instance, in many cases of vaginismus. Yeah. You actually have to do the opposite, which is to release and relax the muscle. And if you imagine yeah. that you were doing, for example, bicep curls, yeah, if you never went back down, the muscle wouldn't function properly. So when you are tensing up or if you do too many Kegels, it's like you're constantly in that curl state and the muscle can't function unless it learns to both contract and release. So they would have been probably teaching you how to release. And so if if you want to try that right now, just for your own experimentation, it's as though you're pushing something gently out of your vagina and I'm doing it now. You're probably doing it Yeah, we're all doing it. Kaylee, you doing it? (laughs) (laughs) You can't help it. It's like the night before you, you know, go to the dentist, you're like, oh, I got a floss. Before you see a sexologist, oh, better do the Kegels, whether it's the contraction or the releasing. Yeah. So you did the homework. You practiced, I assume, breathing really deeply with the different size dilators, working your way up just to backtrack a bit. Mm -hmm. For some people whose case is perhaps even more severe, we might begin with a Q-tip. So back when I worked with clients, mm-hmm. I remember that many of them would begin with a Q-tip because it it just was so incredibly tense and also traumatic. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, I haven't, I've done a little bit of uh, the reading because I was so curious about myself. Um, and I've read that like it, it can, no one really knows what the cause is um, for like why you would have vaginismus, but mostly like anxiety uh rooted and like from there can be like traumatic pasts that can trigger it as well so um yeah I I I was lucky actually because I didn't have to I wasn't at that severe point but were you assigned any other physical exercises like squats or curls cat curls um I was actually assigned it was a lot it was a lot of like tactile stuff like I think part of it for me was like you know girls aren't really taught to like know their vagina and so like I was like afraid to touch myself like I was basically like I don't want to look at it like there was a lot of I think um being uncomfortable with that that I had to work through and so like it was there was and I just had like a tightness in my muscles that I could like I was told to like massage out basically um inside your vagina or along your like along the vulva mostly um, and, and getting to know your body in that way changes everything because it is this one area from which we're supposed to derive such extreme pleasure, but we're also taught that we hold shame there. Yeah. Right. And I know that you weren't raised in a household where you were told it was dirty. I mean, first of all, she's a different generation and your parents are very open. In fact, right. the first person you told about this, I'm going to presume, was your mother. Yeah. She knows all about it. <laughs> and so... You, you told your mother, you came to me, you went to a physiotherapist, you were, as you said, clinically fingered to help you le- to learn to relax the muscles. Yeah. You did exercises and massage at home. And then how did you figure out that you were done, that you were ready? In the, in the first appointment that I had, they said normally, uh, they, after they like uh, assessed where I was at, um, they estimated that it would probably take about four months. Mm. And then when we were in the fourth month of treatment, 
they were right. And I had made a lot of improvement um, because of going to my appointments and doing my homework. Um, and they asked stuff like, are you using tampons now? Is that comfortable for you? Does it like, do you even notice it's there? And like, no. Um, and then basically my physiotherapist said, yeah, so I'm going to tell you that you probably shouldn't make another appointment because I can't really do anything more for you. I've given you all the exercises that you can do and it's kind of in your hands now to take care of it for yourself. Um, so like she can't, she ended it there. And then did you feel you were ready? I mean, you said virginity. I know virginity means different things to different people, but mm-hmm. for you, you were talking about putting a penis in your vagina, Yeah, the penis of your choosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so were you able to do this around that time? Well, it's interesting because my like relationship status had changed around that same time. So, um, you know, and it's definitely, it's a lot more nerve wracking, I think, as a single person to figure this out because you don't have a person that you have this like um, uh, familiarity with and like trust with in the same way. So like I said, I after my treatment, I had like a one night stand with someone and it didn't happen for me because of anxiety. I don't like there's lots of other factors there, but because with for someone who has vaginismus, like it's always going to be a little bit more work when you're trying to have sex because you have to like think you have to think about your exercises while you're trying to do that which can you know if it's not in the right situation it can definitely take away from the pleasure so you tried to hook up with someone yeah but you were feeling nervous or uncomfortable or just it was you weren't able to yeah penetrate yeah and this was after the treatment and I knew that I could before because I had my dilators and I had and I used tampons and all that stuff. I was like, I knew that the treatment had worked. Right. And then I had the capability. But that night, it just wasn't working. And it's like, it's not a straight line out, which I think was a hard pill to swallow for me. Um, but since then, I have been successful, which is great news. Um, but, you know, I'm nervous because I don't know the next time if I will be because it's not um, like flipping a switch. Right. Yeah. And especially if your body has been trained to tense up in response to a specific feeling. Mm-hmm. And in your case, it might be arousal. So oftentimes our bodies relax in response to arousal. And yeah. so your body has been trained in one direction. And of course, what you will find is that your body and your brain will become retrained to experience arousal or desire with relaxation and pleasure over time. Mm-hmm. But if you're not doing it regularly, you, it might take a little bit longer and that's okay. Are you telling a new partner um, that you that you deal with vaginismus? I, I, yeah, I probably would. I think so because I, yeah, I think it would come up <laughs> eventually. So I don't think that most teenagers, I can't remember exactly how old you are, but you were in high school, mm-hmm. have necessarily a sexologist living across the street yeah. <laughs> or a mother who will engage with you in the supportive um, and really understanding way that your mom engages with you. So I don't know that everyone would be as prepared to discuss it with their partner, but you did discuss it with with your teenage boyfriend. Right, yeah. And what was his response? Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, mostly very supportive too. Like it was, I mean, I think it's tough from that perspective, even when you hear that there is something 
that can be done about it to not um, blame yourself a little bit, even if you hear that it's not your fault. Like it, it's really tough to not feel insecure in that situation. Um, but I think eventually we did get to that point. I mean, unfortunately, with the timing of my treatment and that relationship didn't quite match up properly. Um, but, you know, there were, you know, there were times when, um, we would get frustrated at each other because there was like stuff that I probably should have been doing more. Um, that was like only things I could work on. Um, but we're, it was, you know, sometimes difficult for me to do the homework. Like it was traumatic in a way because it's not fun. It was like really like almost emotional labor to do that. Um, and so I, I would put it off a lot. Like I wouldn't want to do it, which probably I probably could have, you know, ended my treatment sooner had I not done that. Um, but, you know, we're humans and imperfect. And busy too. Yeah. And also like the thing is the, the homework – you know, I was living at home and it's like, you're basically, your homework is to masturbate, you know? And it's like, you have to, it's, I said it to my mom one time. I was like, I, I don't really know how to maneuver this because I don't want to go, don't come in my room. I'm like putting a dildo inside of me right now, you know? Like, can I just have my privacy? Even though like, I wish I could just say, I wish that was just a normal thing for people to say. I mean, you've always had a key to our house, but maybe it wasn't empty. (laughs) Your house is, yeah, no. My house is a busy place. It is. You are the ninth person in and out of the house today. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, oh, it's so, it's very complicated. Um, Even that, because I could say like, oh, it's an easy fix. You get, just get your, go to your physiotherapist, get your homework and you do it. But it's like, uh, like it or not, it's you know, vaginas are a touchy subject. Yeah. And you're one of the lucky ones whose vaginismus wasn't associated with trauma specifically. Yeah. Um, even though the process itself of overcoming, I'm sure, felt traumatic at times. Right. And so you talk about talking to your boyfriend. And I think that this is such an important piece. And I think that most people are not equipped to do this. And for you to be able to do that as a teenager and for your boyfriend to engage as well, we, we have to give you credit. If you were to go back, would you do anything differently? Hmm. Um, I think I would, I would definitely keep up the same amount of communication. Um, but I, I would probably work a little bit harder to do the work I needed to do on my end. And especially coming from, like, in hindsight... Like, I can go, oh, you're going to be fine, you know? In the moment, I didn't know, and I was, like, nervous all the time to do that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, I don't think I would do too many things differently. And for people who are dealing with vaginismus or even who have a friend who has vaginismus, because I think this is something that a lot of people don't know where to begin Mm -hmm. in response to, what, what advice do you have for them or insights from your story? Get to know your vagina. <laughs> She's nice. <laughs> she doesn't bite. Um, 98.6% of vaginas do not have teeth. Mostly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the 1.4%, they're somewhere way, way, way down in the south. 
Yeah, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna watch out for them. But if you don't have teeth, you're you're gonna you're gonna be absolutely fine. <laughs> so touch and explore. Yeah, and look. touch and explore, and um, breathe. Uh, do your reverse kegel. Reverse kegels, honestly, saved me. Like there, it's actually something very simple to that you can work on on the bus, <laughs> like. While you're watching TV, you can do it anytime. And like, that's what I, when I'm putting a tampon in, I reverse Kegel. When I take it out, reverse Kegel. Like, and I still think about it. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. There are little tools like that that are just easy. If you can get to a physiotherapist, get to them sooner rather than later, because you could be like tightening up more over time. I also have to do a reverse Kegel to insert a tampon. I find insertions, um uncomfortable when I'm aroused when I'm having sex I don't find it uncomfortable but when I'm not aroused it it just feels really uncomfortable to me yeah and I described a reverse kegel as pushing out with your vagina do you have another terminology I'm sure your physiotherapist how did they teach you to do a reverse kegel um well they said that a lot of the time you reverse kegel when you breathe out without even realizing it so when you breathe in you kegel in and then when you breathe out you go out also if you like if you if you know how to like open your butt, it goes with it. <laughs> like they go at the same time mostly. Right. Yeah. The anal sphincters tend to release when the pelvic floor muscles release, and the anal sphincters tend to tense up. However, you will have a just for my physiotherapist pelvic floor people. They will also teach you to isolate your pelvic floor muscles without your anal sphincter muscles. Uh, if you are, for instance, learning to do Kegels. Hmm. I love when I say, like, release your butt. And then you go, yes, your anal sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen That's what you're side. here for. <laughs> well, another interesting finding I recall from previous research is that women who perform a self-examination of their vulva, meaning people who just look down there, yeah. have better body image. They're more likely to seek medical treatment when they need it, and they have better sex. Yeah. So there are all these benefits. So I always ask people when I go into a classroom or – a group where we're talking about sex or body image, I ask them to, with plasticine, build me a penis. And everyone can build me a penis, no problem. Mm -hmm. Then I ask them to build a vulva. And they don't even know where to begin. Sometimes I ask them to build a clitoris. And they only build the round head of the clitoris. And then I take a penis and I cut it off and say, this is the equivalent. (laughs) So the clitoris has a head. The penis has a head. The clitoris has a shaft. The penis has a shaft. The clitoris has the corpora cavernosa and corpus spongiosum, which are sort of like the easiest way to describe it is they're almost like tubes that fill with blood and get erections. The clitoris has foreskin. The penis has foreskin. The legs and the bulbs of the clitoris are on the inside, like accessible through the labia. So they're the same. The clitoris and the penis are very similar. They're homologous and they're derived from the same material, but we don't even know what they are. Right now, I, I get... didn't know any of this until you just said it right now. How so... have you never been to my sessions? I don't know because there was in Montreal. Well, pl- <laughs> Montreal. I go to Montreal <laughs> once a year, honestly. And also, you were eight. You were under eighteen most of the time. I've known you. That's true. <laughs> you met when I was like fourteen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, my point is that we don't know our bodies. Yeah. That well, and you know that's a reminder that I should do uh, an episode on the clitoris and what it is and what it isn't, and how it's not just that little nodule. That's only the head. So when they ring it like a doorbell, that's like poking on the head of the penis. 
And so, oh my gosh. So, no, I love when I blow someone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> I hired her, folks. <laughs> so the bottom line is if we don't look at our bodies, we can't know our bodies. And even though you can't look at your entire clitoris, you can look at your entire vulva. And it changes the way you feel about your body. So hopefully you see this as, as, as a positive coming out of it overall. Definitely. And it, yeah, it took away like so much of that, you know, shame that you're told you're supposed to feel about your own body which is ridiculous um and yeah it was it was very positive in the end good well thank you so much for being here thank you for having me if you or a friend or someone you love is dealing with vaginismus or any other sexual challenge you can offer immediate support simply by opening the door to discussion. We do not talk enough about sex, and we certainly do not talk enough about sex when we're running into pain or problems. We have all had sexual challenges. I know for me, I have trouble with penetration at times when I'm tense, It's not necessarily painful. It's just harder to do. My body just closes up shop. I have difficulty clearing my mind when I stop practicing my mindfulness exercises regularly. I know if Brandon were here, he'd tell you that when he's nervous or distracted, his body doesn't always respond the way he wants it to. And none of our sex lives is perfect. So if you simply open up about your sexual struggles... You'll give others permission to do the same. But if you act like everything is perfect, they feel pressure to do the same. And then we're all faking it. And if you're looking for more information on pelvic health, regardless of gender, check out Dr. Susie Gronsky's work at drsusieg.com. And it's Susie with two S's. Or, as I said, follow the pelvic mafia hashtag on Twitter. We need to talk more about sex, not in a braggadocious way, not in a performative way, but in a real way that acknowledges the ups, the downs, the in-betweens. Not every sexual experience will be a 10, and sometimes you have to work through the ones, the twos, the threes to get to the best experiences, and it's a roller coaster. It's not a steady climb, and it's the ups and downs that make it so exciting. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this podcast, share on social media if you like it, and find me, Sex with Dr. Jess, on all social media. Send your questions in at sexwithdrjess.com. Thank you to Desire Resorts and Cruises for your ongoing support. Please follow Desire Experience online and let them know that I sent you. Wherever you're at, have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.